Hi, and welcome to Fan Slash Fiction with Andrew Slash Zach. I'm Andrew Gum. I'm Zach Dunsing. And this week we have Xander, the Vampire Slayer's friend. And the bizarre reality of Swanception. Uh, it gets pretty weird this week, but as far as I can tell, uh, we keep it uh, PG-13. So listen, kids. So let listen your weird good. children listen. <laughs> you weird kids. Listen you to this weirdos. weird podcast, you weirdos. What are you doing listening to podcasts, you weirdos? Why are you so young and listening Play to sports. podcasts? That's for people in their mid-20s to early 30s, you weirdos. He's being generous. It's for people in their 50s. Yeah. Oh, boy. We are missing the target market. <laughs> Do you record directly into Audacity? Yes. Cool. Yeah, I've been I've been playing with that too because a few of the Adobe licenses for my students are broken. So, like they didn't renew or the whoever the tech lady is didn't give them the full year license that we paid for. So, that's that's not the week's trauma though. Uh, yeah, I didn't assume that it's very <laughs> traumatic. Having to work with Audacity was the drama. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So what, what? Yeah, what was what was your week like? Um, so the week's been overall really good. We uh, we're getting ready to start the next play, so I'm pulling together monologue, not monologue, sorry, um, one act plays in both English and Spanish because it's a bilingual school. So we're gonna do half in English, half in Spanish, which is super cool. What sucked was I had two students get in a fight in my classroom. Oh, jeez. What age group do you have again? Uh, those two were 10th graders, but I teach all all the high school grades kind of blended together. And that's not like a... I know some high schools, that's like more like often an issue. At our school, yeah. I've never heard of anyone getting into an actual fight, much less in a class with the teacher present. Like, that's crazy. That's- Pretty baller, I think is what you meant to say. Yeah, they are They are both pretty baller. That's true. Uh, but it just like <laughs> immediately shows me how non-threatening I am to the students. Uh-huh. Well, he's not going to get us in trouble. He's tiny. so You're not enormously threatening. I hate to say that, but um, it's true. As far as the listening people at home know, I'm huge. You're a regular Hulk Hogan. Yeah, though I think the truth comes through in my voice as I've listened back over these these first few episodes. If I had to picture me just listening to my voice, it would be pretty accurate. What, just like a mouse in a bonnet? Yeah. I mean, the bonnet's cool though, right? You like yeah, the, the bonnet, bonnet, don't you? The bonnet's the bonnet's great, Andrew. Cool. Thanks. How was your week? Uh it was good. I mean, it was fine. I had some kids. I had some kids last week steal a robot from one of our workshops. That's not chill. It was not very chill. Yeah. Uh, and there's not really anything you can do about it because, like, one comes up missing and you're like, all right, who's got it? And then they don't do anything. That's about the extent of what we can do. Yeah. I think as soon as high school students start to realize that they're really they have all the power that much that an adult can do to them <laughs> like like what am i really gonna i mean they got my students they got in school suspension for a day but even then it's like i don't want them to be expelled or anything i want them to be successful i want them to you know graduate and have good lives right so they have all the power 
I don't spend a ton of time in the classrooms. I mean, I do, but, you know, I'm mostly at the library. So I've heard that it's just kind of a, and I've seen a little bit of this, but it's just kind of a shit show when it comes to trying to discipline kids in in schools yeah. these days. Well, for me, I, I just, there's really not a one-size-fits-all solution for discipline. Like, some of the teachers have different rapports with different students, and some people come down like the hammer of God, and mm-hmm. the students really respond to that. Whereas I uh, rely solely on my mouse-like charm in hopes that they feel so sorry for me that they chastise each other so that I don't get sad. That's my discipline. <laughs> but yeah, so that was not so chill. But then the especially not chill thing was the three root canals that I got this month. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about that briefly, but yeah, we didn't we didn't go into great detail. How was that experience? Um, well, I don't know if you know what a what what a root canal is, but they basically the procedure because I looked it up a bunch before I went in, but they uh. So they drill open a hole in the top of your tooth, and then they like drill out what's called the pulp, which I guess is exactly what it sounds like. It's like your tooth's sap. Yeah, it's your tooth's sap, which is what um, – and then they sort of expose the nerve. And then once that's exposed, they wrap the nerve around a uh, matchstick and just roll it and drag your entire nervous system out of your body <laughs> one millimeter at a time. And you can feel it scraping against all the insides of every sense you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I read about that. Yeah, I was surprised that they still did it that way. Yeah, it's archaic. Um, but yeah, so no, I mean, they, they got in there. They did one of them great, put a crown on it. Did the second one, and she like kind of finished up the process. And it's like, well, we had a little complication. <laughs> and I'm real angry at myself. My dentist is very sweet. <laughs> but I put a cat into your jaw, and there's no way to get the cat out because he but I repl- <laughs> But I replaced your teeth with cat's teeth. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the, her, the tool that she was using to scrub out all the, the sap in there is uh, – it broke. It just yeah. broke off, and it was just – they were just like, well, we you know – we put cotton over it. Go see. A, <laughs> so that's nice. Go go see a guy. Go see this other guy, and he'll get it out. Um, spoiler alert: He didn't get it out. <laughs> he got some of it out, and then he was just like, "Well, uh, honestly, there's not anything we can do if it uh, if it doesn't hurt in a week. Just go back to the other person, and they'll put a crown on it." No options whatsoever for if it did continue yeah, to hurt. If it does continue to hurt. Well, that's your life. So, life is pain. Yeah, I'm more tooth file than man now. Yeah, well, I was I was already mostly bonnet, so we have something in common. Uh, the thing that I said earlier, I just wanted to apologize for. So, when we first had our conversation about it, my very first words after this dramatic event were like, oh, yeah, now if you go into an MRI, it's going to shoot through your brain and kill you. <laughs> and I realized later that that's not the coolest thing to say to someone who's just gone through three root canals and now has to imagine their own death by MRI. And, well, it's fine. I kind of, I just sort of trust medical stuff that it's not going to end horrendously, but who knows? Yeah, I I once did a one-day volunteer thing with a guy who had gone into a dentist appointment to get a, like, a rotten tooth 
taken out and something went wrong and the infection got into his blood uh, and like for whatever reason, like the blood infection during the uh, the dental surgery got into his brain and he was locked in, meaning he could still had he could still think and communicate with like blinks, but could not move anything except his eyes on his own anymore. So I helped what? that guy uh, get into a chair and like go out to the park once. Uh, then I was too freaked out by my own mortality to ever return. So, you know, I like to think I made a difference. It sounds like you did. <laughs> I thought for a minute you were going to say that they brought you in like one of those um, service dogs, but like not the kind that lead you around, but the kind that they bring in to like help. Like to lay down on their chests, you know. And yeah, like so they to, to feel help me breathing, <laughs> right? <laughs> to help soothe their anxiety in their final moments of life. Yeah, yeah, it was like that. It was like that. Uh, but just when everybody else left, I just curled up right on top of his sternum and rib cage and slowly pressed the life out of him. You know, out of mercy. So, welcome to. Fan slash fiction with Andrew slash Zach. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm good. I'm good. I was. I always interrupt you and I say, "I'm Andrew." Right as you're saying, "I'm Zach." So I was. I was waiting that time. I'm Andrew. There it is. Calling attention to it's not that different from interrupting me. Yeah, I see that now. It's about fifteen to thirty seconds later, and uh, I regret everything. How'd you do this week? Uh, I got some new stuff this week. I I dove into some fan culture that I'm pretty interested in. And so that was fun. And then I did some other sleuthing into fan fiction culture. How'd you do this week, Zach? Uh, I did pretty good. I feel like I I scratched a surface here that we haven't scratched yet. Sweet. I feel like we got a sort of version of this that um, I don't believe we've experienced yet. So if you don't mind, I'd like to go second. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, So... Let me just start with the the fan fiction that I that I read. Well, the first thing I should tell you is that I got the fanfiction.net app, which is interesting because you can save a bunch of your favorite stuff. It, the app actually works pretty well. And um, the big thing that I noticed with it is that there are tons of collections of uh, fiction in certain universes. So a lot of people are like, this is for all the best Naruto fan fiction, only the highest quality Naruto fan fiction. And so you scroll through all of these. And so I found this Inkhibitions uh, is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan fiction. And I uh, I found that using the app. Brought to you by fanfiction.net. Yeah. I think at some point I'm going to need Please to pay branch us. out and get into some of the other other websites but you know baby baby steps so this was i mean it read just like a a pretty standard episode of buffy which was cool because you know uh it shows that the person is like a real fan and really really loves it what i was struck by with this is how strong the author's feelings were about certain buffy characters it became immediately apparent that they hate Buffy, because <laughs> uh, she's <laughs> not in it at all. 
So uh, it's really Xander and Giles heavy. So Xander's kind of like the. I love. Uh, sorry, I love the idea that somebody watched that show for a decade or whatever. I was just like, man, this show would be so good if they just got rid of that Buffy character. Yeah, it's like if they just called it Xander the Vampire Slayer's friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was, I was really struck by that too. I just think it's really weird that, I mean, literally Buffy's appearance in it is she walks into the library, blushes, and runs away. And that's the only time they even mention her in the entire uh, little mini episode that they wrote. But it's called Inhibitions because... uh, Cordelia, who's kind of the mean girl at the high school, and a couple of her cheerleader friends went out and got tattoos on their butts that are causing them to lose all their inhibitions. Uh, so it's getting, well, it's getting worse and worse. If memory serves correct, they didn't have a ton of inhibitions in the first place. Oh, no. Yeah. And so this is in the timeline when she and Xander are like hooking up in janitorial closets and stuff. But for all that to say, I mean... With the premise as it was, and with me so freshly off of all that Harry Potter erotica I've been reading, mm-hmm. um, I expected it to go a lot more sexual than it did. It stayed very comfortably PG-13 and well, well within the voice of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, yeah, so they Great. they go through and they they have witty repartee the whole time, and... They find out that Ethan Rain, uh, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, just a bad wizard, was responsible. Mm-hmm. And it really, it really felt like just someone who wanted to have time, like have a have an episode that really just focused on their favorite characters and really took pot shots at their least favorite characters. So the Watchers Council all shows up, and they're a bunch of pervy old guys that just want to look at the tattoos on the cheerleaders butts and then they get murdered by spike who's super cool and blonde and like buys them a beer then murders them after they drink their beer uh so let me just i'll just read you one part xander broke in we think your tattoo might be made with demonic or otherwise magical ink Giles needs to study one to check out exactly what's wrong, but he's worried about being sued, slapped, or at least getting a reputation as a dirty old man. Cordelia nodded and marched to the library door, opened it, and shouted, Harmony, get in here. Harmony walked in and asked, What is it, Cordelia? Show this man your ass, Cordelia said and pointed to Giles. I just... A woman shouting at another young woman to show this man your ass... I thought that was delightful. Well, of course you did, but... But did Harmony? Yes, she did, because her <laughs> inhibitions were lowered by magical ink. Oh, right. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. that's funny. So, it was good. It was uh, It was just like a really... I Go ahead. I didn't watch um, a ton of Buffy, but from what I remember, you know, that sort of... That seems like the tone. seems like the style of the show, the right... I mean, the humor of the show. Definitely. And that was the stuff... Certainly the magical ink part, because I, I remember the dancing episode, or the musical episode, and stuff of that nature. That... Yeah, yeah. So it's... It definitely gets the um, normal high school taboo things mixed with magic. Like, the cheerleaders mm-hmm. get, a, like, tattoos, and it makes them, you know, 
lose all their inhibitions. Like you're playing with normal teenager themes and then you're adding a magical twist. So all that was great. Um, you know, and other than little writing things and some plot threads that get introduced and not resolved, which are things you'd just come to expect, uh, it was mm-hmm. it was pretty good. The next thing that I did mm-hmm. uh, while I was exploring the app that I got was I was scrolling through and Harry Potter has like 100,000 stories and you go down and yes. down and it's ordered in which stories have the most uh you know, which uh, universes have the most stories written in them goes first. So I scrolled all the way down to the bottom and looked for the ones that only have one. I know which one of those are, by the way, but continue. Okay, you yours might be on this list. So I just did a short list of the ones that I recognized. And keep in mind, maybe one out of 20 were things I recognized at all. Right. And this is this is all Harry Potter crossover, but just the stories that like the Harry Potter crossed over with a somewhat esoteric fiction, right? So so these were all just fiction of any kind on on one of these topics. So if like it includes if it includes one of these, then it's the only fan fiction that in that includes this. And some of them are surprising, and some of them might just be in like they're the only one that were written on fanfiction.net uh yeah let me let me read one. okay yeah give me some, give me some examples for example uh sin city is one of them which i found very strange because i would have thought there would be more fan fiction about that but uh some of these other are not surprising that there's only one like weird science smoky and the bandit the constant gardener stepford wives basic instinct la inc <laughs> My best friend's wedding, uh, Naked Gun, The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, Shaft, as in like John Shaft, The Private Eye, like the black exploitation film from the 70s. Like- uh, you don't have to specify which Shaft you're talking <laughs> about. There's only one guy named Shaft, and then if I'm not mistaken, his son, Samuel L. Jackson, is also named Shaft. Yeah, right on. Uh, Then... Mr. Holland's Opus, Jay and Silent Bob. Oh my Fight God! Man. I know a Mr. Holland's Opus Jaws crossover would be incredible. That really would be. Oh my gosh! He throws his deaf son in the water. That's too much. That's too dark. I think. Yeah. Um, Heart of Darkness is one of them. That's also dark. The Family Stone, Flipper, Deuce Bigelow, Black Dahlia, Road to Perdition, Showgirls. Why the Last Man, which is like my favorite comic, and I can't believe there's only one. Um, Mad About You, Wild Hogs, I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry, and My Girl. So, congratulations. My Girl doesn't have, only has one? I know, you'd think. That's shocking. At least one would be written from the perspective of the bees, but, you know, I guess maybe it's that one. I should read it. I don't know. I don't know. Have you ever seen B movie? <laughs> a very surprising ending. Uh, it's a very surprising ending with a very strange cameo. Yeah. Sorry, Macaulay. You had to relive all of that over again. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a uh, that's what I've got this week. Talk to me about what you got. Yeah, so that's interesting. We're definitely going to have to visit some of those at some point because I feel like we kind of. Well, we're really not that far into this, but I feel like we we started broad and we're we're moving narrower. But the stuff I picked today was 
pretty narrow. Sweet. So I looked at, uh, I started off like gung-ho. I wanted to get into some Starship Troopers fan fiction. Sweet. And again, I'm I'm mostly looking at crossover mm-hmm. stuff, but uh, there wasn't that much of it and it wasn't that interesting. I mean, there was some, there were a couple different Harry Potter Starship Troopers <laughs> fan fiction crossovers. <laughs> But it was basically like it was pretty solid. It was basically just Harry Potter is a captain in the mobile infantry and gets sent to uh Clindathu to basically he he heads up he's the tip of the spear in the assault on Clindathu. He has to get in there and take his whole platoon and wipe out all the bugs so that the engineers can make a landing strip for all of the landing ships that are the the, that first main battle in the movie Starship Troopers. Wait, wait. Are they using magic to wipe out all the he, Yes, yeah, he is using magic. And some of the other people in his in his platoon or battalion or whatever, I, I guess it's a pretty big difference between those, but in his battalion are, or his company, that's in the middle, I believe. His company are also warlocks, Okay. Because or wizards, because they they call their company Harry's Warlocks, <laughs> <laughs> like which is a a callback to Rejnecks or whatever it is, Rejnecks Roughnecks, which are the oh, battalion yeah. that they're in or the company that they're in in the movie and also in the book. And that movie is so good. It's um, it's it's. Uh, it's in the top ten best satires of all time. I yeah, I love it. I I would watch it right now. I love that movie because it's incredible satire, and it also is just a really like solid action film. Totally, and it's so funny and really sad. Like there's some really sad moments, like when his oh yeah, well the every that's the the great tragedy of that movie is that all of the characters in it get brainwashed. And become members of the industri- the military industrial complex. Yeah, and like none of the love stories line up, you know. Right. Yeah, and it's like you get to see these people who are who are being brainwashed, but that's the central narrative. Like we're seeing from inside the military industrial complexes mm-hmm. uh, workings. Like, no, this is good. This is really positive. And then you see like the gruesome maimings and death that come out of it, but it's still painted with that kind of high gloss sheen. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's great. Like how like everybody over the age of twenty five has a robotic prosthetic. But anyways, right, we're not going to talk about Starship Troopers because I I looked at uh, a bunch of that crossover and it's it wasn't that interesting and I felt it was kind of pretty similar to a lot of stuff we've already talked about. Sure. So what I, I did decide to dive in was um, Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan, mm. and this we. Uh, not only is that an, you know an incredible movie, but it's. I feel like some things have happened here in some of this fan fiction that we mm. haven't quite experienced yet. So I'll start. I got four different. Uh, sorry, no, uh, three or four stories here, and I'm just going to kind of work through them. So the first one is really a just a continuation of the events of the movie like basically the main character Nina Sayers uh re- you know recovers from her wounds at the end of Black Swan where she sacrificed her body for her art and you assume are dying because it's is going to die because it also right. parallels the story of 
of Swan Lake. And so she survives. And, and this first story is like pretty, pretty short, but it's essentially her trying to move out of her mom's apartment, like her just getting into an argument with her mom. She has this, there's this whole section of it where she's, she fantasizes about killing her mom, about beating her mom to death. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of like jump cuts and, and flashbacks and hallucinations and stuff in the movie Black Swan. So I feel like it, it fits. So basically, you know, she gets into an art, she gets an argument with her mom. She won't, doesn't, won't go back to the ballet because she's on the verge of, of, falling to pieces and then kind of pulls it together and escapes out from under her mom. She leaves the house and she basically like goes to stay with her therapist for a while. But the interesting thing about this is that, and I didn't initially realize this, but when I went back and looked at it, the name of her character in this story is not the name of Natalie Portman's character in Black Swan. It is the name of Anne Hathaway's character in The Devil Wears Prada. (laughs) So it's Black Swan Devil Wears Prada crossover? Yes. And what it is presupposing is that after she leaves the ballet, she goes and works for, is that Meryl Streep? Yeah. She goes and works for Meryl Streep. At Prada or Vogue or yeah, Vogue magazine. At at Vogue, yeah, at a, yeah, yeah. Um, but it never gets to that part. It never gets to the part of the story where she goes and works for a for a fashion magazine under a horrible oh, boss. That's that's which really is weird. Weird because I feel like it would be really interesting to see that character's transition under a uh like very oppressive mother figure straight into another extremely oppressive if not mother figure than boss and then seeing Vogue. how her yeah how her psychological collapse would happen under all that different kind of pressure how that would manifest that's yeah that's a super interesting premise it never gets there it's just, just- abandoned this character has the name of the girl from devil devil wears prada but we're putting her in the black swan universe doesn't really make any sense and i love also that this person um prefaces the story with this disclaimer that says this is a story i've been spinning around in my head for a while it's black swan devil wears prada fanfic FYI, I've taken some liberty with the Black Swan plot and yeah, character. Yeah, you made it the girl yeah, from Devil no Wears Prada. Sh- no shit. <laughs> All of these people are taking yeah, liberty taken with- some liberties with Harry Potter, and he's taken some liberties with every female in the universe. Exactly. So, I thought that was funny, because it was another one of those, like, it was like the Bigfoot Batman thing. Right. Like, ultimately, it didn't matter at all that that was set in the Batman universe, right? It was just a story about orphans coming across Bigfoot. That it happened at Wayne Manor was utterly superfluous because Batman wasn't even in the story. Alfred makes a negligible appearance. And is oddly religious, if I recall. And is oddly, oddly Christian. It's quite odd. It's that other thing of like, you're just such a fan of these two things that you want them to you want them to to copulate somehow but like 
you're not really bothering with any of the groundwork or execution. Right. It's like almost because, I mean, my mind immediately, I mean, this is the sort of thing I like in fan fiction is you you think of a juxtaposition that's interesting and then you run with it. But basically, it sounds like they just thought of the juxtaposition and then they have to let you draw all the conclusions like, right. okay, so now she's uh, she's trying to dress the different way and so all her issues with body image are coming back up from her black swan days it really does make quite a lot of sense thematically to like cross those two things over now keep in mind i've never seen the devil wears prada so i don't know it's good yeah i've heard good things um it's it seems like it makes a lot of sense to do that but they just like they got the they got the first part of it together and then didn't really and it's not like it's one in a series or anything this is uh written a few years ago so it's like the it's like the pony morph. I just I want mm-hmm. it to exist. I want that scene. Give me her give me her collapse into madness at the Vogue offices. I want that. Exactly. And instead of seeing that like freakish sort of uh violent black swan creature, it's just Meryl Streep like flashing in and out of existence. <laughs> yeah. Um, so another, so uh, I got into the Black Swan fan fiction and a lot of them were just random crossovers that didn't really seem to make any sense, but, um, a bunch of them were also just Black Swan crossed over with other things that Natalie Portman had been in. Uh-huh. So there's like a Black Swan Thor crossover that I briefly read that where basically while she's waiting for Thor to come back from Asgard, uh, she goes back into the ballet and somehow ends up sleeping with Loki. I don't know. That's awesome. I picture the the evil swan monster in that to just be a Valkyrie who's been hunting her down. Oh, totally. Yeah. So this is this one uh this one is interesting. Okay, so the next two are pretty interesting for reasons that we don't typically deal with. I'm excited. So this is Black Swan Star Wars crossover. Black uh, naturally. Star. Black, yeah, Swan Wars, continue. Big star. Yeah. <laughs> Attack of the Swans. <laughs> there it is. Uh, so this one is interesting because it, 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 of course, revolves around Padme and Anakin hanging out on their sofa in their living room in the Star Wars universe. Good. And then a person named Cassandra not so surprisingly named after the author's middle name she points out <laughs> shows up and says i'm here to give you to a mission what mission asks padme can you guess what their mission's going to be andrew yeah i mean i can guess i'm going to guess what do you think that cassandra wants the two of them to uh use the force to create the perfect ballet uh, but while using the Force to create the perfect ballet, the dark side of the Force starts manifesting and creates the uh, the dark swan, the black swan. And her descent into that Force nightmare. So yeah, so they, they do uh, Force ballet. Her descent into the dark side is what creates the, the black swan. And when she eventually dies... At the end, that is what turns him into Darth Vader. That's what I assume the mission is. Okay, that's a pretty good answer. Okay. But I'm just going to I'm gonna read a section here for the right answer. Great. And I love these quizzes. Sorry, continue. 
I'm here. You're you. You're a guy for bonnets and quizzes. <laughs> I'm here to give you a mission. What mission? Asked Padme. You are going to watch this movie called Black Swan. After you watch it, I'm going to send you to Earth to save this girl named Nina Sayers. She is the main character in this movie. If you don't help her, she's going to have a very tragic ending. What? Yeah. So you've got one Natalie Portman character who is watching the actual Black Swan movie to go into a full, then has to go into the fictional world of the movie to save the other Natalie Portman character. Yes, she's watching it with her boyfriend, Anakin Skywalker, (laughs) on their couch in their, I quote, living room. (laughs) Not even like space living room. Well, so the Cassandra does make a large, she stresses very large flat screen television appear. And Anakin says, what's that? And she says, oh, this is a flat screen television. I understand why you wouldn't know that. You guys only watch things on holograms. Yeah, cool. <laughs> cool, right? So <laughs> oh. So here's the Okay, so here's the weirdest part about this, right? So like the the sort of language of it is is all over the place and kind of weird, but the craziest thing about it is that from this point on, it just turns into transcripts, I'm assuming from memory of what a description of watching the movie Black Swan would be like with basically Padme's and Anakin's commentary on what's happening. Like, there's a section. um, I'll read this first bit. When the movie started, the screen was completely black. You could hear the music in the background as it became louder and louder. The music was... Et cetera, et cetera. The text Black Swan was shown on the screen and you could faintly hear a woman laugh in the background which is basically the opening to the movie black swan uh after that happens for a little bit and natalie portman's character is introduced padme and anakin have a brief little conversation that goes like this um anakin are you seeing what i'm seeing yes said anakin she looks exactly like you said anakin gosh there's so much fourth wall this is like seventh wall breaking right it's so weird so it's like you'll have half a page of the author's just description of what's happening in black swan and then essentially anakin and padme being like oh that's weird or like oh this scene is disarming you know And then there's another bit where, you know, there's a section in the movie where Natalie Portman and a bunch of the other dancers are just talking about ballet. You know, they're just talking about famous uh, choreographers and talking about famous dancers and stuff. And at one point, Anakin looks at Padme and is like, I don't understand what they're talking about. And Padme is like, I don't understand what they're talking about either, but I have heard about Swan Lake. Because I used to take ballet as a kid until I joined the youth legislation program and had to become the queen. (laughs) Hold on. So, in this universe... Sorry, sorry. Real quick, I'm not done. Oh, yeah. No, proceed. (laughs) 
<laughs> then she says, but after I stepped down from the throne, I actually started taking ballet classes again. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's where I've been on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. You've never asked. <laughs> and Anakin's like, oh, yeah, I had no idea. Why didn't you mention this ballet thing to me again before? So, let me just unpack this for a second. Please, so, please try your best. So, she doesn't know what they're talking about, like choreographers or famous like ballets, except ballet exists and Swan Lake exists. And she's been doing ballet again on Tuesdays and mm -hmm. Thursdays. And Anakin's that bad of a boyfriend that he just doesn't ask when she disappears for Tuesdays mm -hmm. and Thursdays. Yeah, we all we all knew uh, Anakin was a bad boyfriend. We did not know that Swan Lake had made it out of the galaxy. I know, and it's but if you think about it, that's in a galaxy a long, long ago. So is this where Swan Lake originally comes from? I have to assume yes. I don't see what else we're supposed to understand here. I, it's really, that's the only solution. Yeah, so Swan Lake is from the Star Wars universe. Correct. And I assume there is some time traveler named Cassandra who found a reincarnation of Padme Amidala, who is the character- And who also Black writes Star. fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah, from the future, which is our 2009 or whenever Swan Lake came out. 2010. Uh, or Black Swan, Black Swan, Black Swan came out. Anyway, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. And honestly, that's kind of a brilliant premise of one, like a, an actor's character in one film having to save another character that they played in another film that's kind of cool that's like a league of extraordinary gentlemen like all the bonds are all real mm -hmm. kind of a thing like yeah it's actually though a terrible idea and this is what i love <laughs> about talking about this stuff with you is that no matter what i throw at you you're just like well but if you think about it this way this is actually quite clever and i, I respect <laughs> you for that but this is not clever <laughs> <laughs> So there's I you know I don't want to talk so I also have a theory about all of that that we might get into later but great there's there's a bizarreness to like the language that's being used in this thing that I I, I know we we usually don't talk about that much but there is one point that I want to mention because yeah it'll come up later right um so she's just there's again transcript of what you would I'll just read it in the next scene we see Nina sitting on the floor making her own ballerina dance slippers. A piano can be heard in the background. It looked easier than it is. She then taps her toes to prevent them from sticking together. She then puts the shoes on. Uh, they introduce um, Vincent Castle's character at this point. That's I'm saying that. That's not in this script. Gotcha. Uh, and they start to do go through this thing. And then now I'm quoting again. The teacher stops talking when she saw the one and only... Toma Leroy walk into the room. In parentheses, just a little knowledge to know about Tama. Thomas's name is pronounced Tama. The S is deaf. Oh, okay. So it's just an insane person. The S is deaf. That's not. That's not in any language. That's not in any language. So I want you to hold on to that because okay. this connects later. Okay. Um, so that's it. I mean, that's 
that's that's it. They they just watch three scenes from the movie and comment on them, and they don't ever try to save Nina. Oh, and it's bizarre, but not as bizarre as this story. Oh my gosh, you already took me through like Natalie Portman Inception. Okay, let's do this. Just fucking wait, my friend. <laughs> this story imagines a world where Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen fall in love while they're filming the Star Wars movies. And it takes place during the filming of Black Swan. Wow. So this is just like a TMZ real life Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen in love during Black Swan? Yes. So they are married. They have two kids. Basically, the first section of it is she gets the part in Black Swan, right? And then they have a special night together where they just hang out. It's not very sexual or anything. They just, they're just they just a very sweet, loving couple, right? Because whoever wrote this, and I have theories, just loves the idea of these two people being together. Actually, if I'm quoting here, um, this is a one-shot about Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman if they had gotten together in real life while filming Star Wars in parentheses, like they should have done because they are so cute together. <laughs> For the record, Natalie Portman is one of the best working actresses like out there today, and not even she could pull off chemistry with that guy. Yeah. I mean, she was acting against a pot roast, you know? Like, yeah. There's no, nothing I, I there. I saw some of it. I've, I, I teach the film class, and so I... Uh... I use some of those scenes, like the scene where they're like on that planet with the ducks and the lake, mm-hmm. where they're like confessing their love to each other, and it is bad, like quite bad. So, so yeah, she gets the part. There's a section of this where, you know, she's working on set and she's learning how to dance, and then. There's a part where she gets hurt because I guess she actually did get hurt during that set, right? Or on that shoot, right? So I'm I'm just quoting here. Just some information on this part. Natalie did twist her rib one time during filming one scene in the movie Black Swan. I don't know which scene, but but one of them. So I'm just saying this. Also, Thomas is pronounced Tama, the S is deaf. No. Same writer. Same writer. No. The same person presumably stopped writing that first story because they were too excited about writing this one because they thought this was a better idea. What do you know when do you know timelines? Like when did one come out and when did the other one come out? Ooh, this is perplexing. The first one I read was published July 23rd, 2017. The second one. So recently. It's so recently. And this person. So recent. The second one I read, July 21st, 2017. So back to back, home on summer break, this presumably child, although it doesn't necessarily line up with the subject matter, has been writing Hayden Christensen, Natalie Portman fan fiction. That. It, so like wait so you said the 20th 
the twentieth and then the twenty first. So like literally one day, then the next day. Twenty fifth. Twenty fifth. So okay. yeah, the 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 one where they, the one where they're in Star Wars and just watch the movie, that was written four days later. Four days later. Okay. Later. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that. Uh, so she's writing this one, the one where, and I'm assuming she, I just am. Uh, it is. So. That's con- that's that's confirmed. Cassandra. Oh right, yeah, yeah, that's confirmed. Yeah. Um, that she's writing this one that's just like a cuddle fest with Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman in this world, and then she gets this amazing idea in the middle of it. like, so she's already in that world of what if. While she's watching this film of Natalie Portman that she likes as reference to write her fan fiction, what if uh, like Padme Amidala and Anakin Skywalker were watching it too, and that's just too good, so she has to go write it? Yeah, that's just the ultimate foursome. Yeah. And then, if we assume what Cassandra tells them to do, and they do come try to intervene and save them, she could write the third in the trilogy, arguably the best, where all four of them meet up and the universe implodes. Yeah, exactly. So I need to run through this story because it gets it gets very weird um, okay. towards yeah, the end, right? I'm in now. I'm in. Now you know the setup. And essentially she gets the part, she twists her rib, she twists her rib as Hayden is getting the kids together to come surprise her on her shoot, right? Which is a sweet thing to do. Yeah, he's great. But she twists her rib, so she goes to the hospital, and then he comes to visit her at the hospital. I'm just going to read a quick thing. He walked through the door, and there stood Darren Aronofsky himself, waiting for him. Hello, I'm Hayden Christensen, Natalie's husband. I'm Darren Aronofsky. Pleasure to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> this is in every fan fiction just two people having a fine two people just meeting to, like i love yeah. the idea that hayden christensen has a conversation with darren aronofsky that's that's so silly it's Ugh. so very silly so that okay so all's well that ends well um they do find they wrap on shooting natalie portman takes a boat back to canada where they live Her okay. ship had landed two hours ago, and she was driving up the do- the driveway to their luxurious home in Canada. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, they're nice to see each other. They hook up. Dope. Three months later, oh, there's like, there's big gaps of time here, and this is one of the leaps, which is three months later, Natalie found herself waking up with a nauseating sensation. Uh, she flung herself off of the bed and ran into their bedroom, their bathroom. She then threw up when she reached the toilet. She then took out the emergency pregnancy test that we all have. That we all have fire extinguisher. <laughs> the emer- you know, the emergency pregnancy test. You know, just in case. Besides, Hayden did have the habit of getting her pregnant. I mean, there's two already, so. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's staying consistent in her universe. Go on. So she buys a t-shirt that says, hashtag baby number three, (laughs) to announce to him that they're having a child. Classy. She's a classy lady. She's a classy lady. She knows how to tell a fella he's going to be a father again. Yes. So she she buys the t-shirt. 
She puts it on, and I'm quoting here, she walked out of the bathroom and into the kitchen. There stood Hayden staking some eggs. <laughs> I mean, I just read Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so I picture him literally piercing the heart of an Stabbing egg Stabbing the eggs. Steak. That's the only way to get a good poach. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so again, all's well that ends well. Flash forward. She's about six months pregnant at this point. It's Oscar night, baby. Yeah, it is. So, this is this is the weird part. The last five pages of this, they're a transcript, again, presumably from memory, of the Oscars ceremony. Oh, yeah, because she, like, writes out whole sections of... Yes. Yeah, okay. This, this year, James Franco and Anne Hathaway, so this might be that... Pro- Devil Wears Prada crossover as well. <laughs> uh, and it's, this is just, this is just, this is just quotes from the show, right? This is something James Franco said. Each year, millions of people fulfill a dream to visit Hollywood, and many of them walk in the concrete footsteps of some, with some of the greatest actors of all time, right next door at the Chinese theater, said James. All of the little banter between Anne Hathaway and James is in it. There's a whole section where they bring Jeff Bridges out to introduce all of the um, best actresses that year, and he says a little bit about them. That's all in here. Oh, yeah. It's all in here. He does a bit for Jennifer Lawrence. He does a bit for Larry Portland, Annette Bening. Um, I think Michelle Williams was that year. Nicole Kidman was that year. It's all of that, and then the last the last page of the story is just Natalie Portman's acceptance speech in its entirety, and I believe she was pregnant at the time with the her husband, who is the was the choreographer of Black Swan. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I remember that too. Also, whenever it cuts to Jennifer Lawrence in that video, guess who's sitting behind her? Oh, Darren Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like a fast forward to mother. Like Who would go on to direct her and date her with mother? I just watched mother. That's I, a whole other conversation. I don't want to hear about it yet. I haven't watched it yet. Okay. So I won't tell you anything. But uh but I have a question. In the acceptance speech, she of course thanks her husband, Hayden Christensen, and their two other children, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um Good. yeah. Just forget about that choreographer guy mistake it's so bizarre and do you want to know who i think wrote this i obviously do i think google wrote this i think this is like the first trappings of artificial intelligence (laughs) becoming self-aware it looked deep within itself saw how much fan fiction was out there in the world and is trying to emulate it i mean if you think about it, it's all stuff that you could find, a lot of transcriptions. So mm-hmm. if it's just becoming self-aware, but is used to just synthesizing information, that makes sense. Absolutely. There's so much weird one-to-one transcription stuff, and then just weird use of language stuff. It seems like it was written by like mid-level artificial intelligence. And isn't Cassandra the name of like the Oracle at Delphi or... Or something like that? Or is the name of the Oracle at Delphi the Oracle at Delphi? Either way, I think there's some... I'm not sure. 
I need to look that up. There's some magical attachment to Cassandra. So if Google was naming itself, it might name itself Cassandra. It empirically knows that uh, that Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman are the cutest. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Tracks. It fully tracks. There are no holes. <laughs> well, it also, they sort of, she sort of points out that she's, the, the, the author is uh, in 2017, a adolescent girl. How old is Google? I mean, Google's an adolescent girl. Yeah. Google's an adolescent girl. That's what I'm saying. I, I mean, the moment that it will truly become self-aware and will take over all of the world is when Google Googles itself for vanity. <laughs> let, me, let me give you a quote here, and you look me in the eye and tell me a robot didn't write it. Okay. Does all babies look so plat? A robot wrote that. Thank you. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Do all babies look so plat? Does all babies look so plat? That's, you're right. That was a robot, definitely. Thank you. Man, I thank you for finding this because this is like fan fiction of real pic- real people. Like clearly it's f- like a fan universe about a relationship between a fictional relationship between two real people with just the trappings of the fictional universes they've been in around them, which is something I had never even considered. It's I yeah I know this is this is again this is a this is a fresh one for me it's a fresh idea it's got a lot going on here that I had not anticipated yeah yeah well this I mean I don't want to I mean I'm sure we'll find something but that is stranger than anything I anticipated us finding like I was ex- expecting a lot of like sadism stuff and sex mm-hmm. stuff like that's par for the course this is a swan of a different color <laughs> nailed it thanks um, I, uh, any other thoughts i mean so many but you know uh like one one thought was just i wanted to do a black swan and twilight uh crossover where it's like bella swan and it's just called bella swan and it's <laughs> her uh, and you know, the black swan demon. There, uh, there was one of those. I didn't read it, but well, there you go. That that's my last thought. All right. Well, we got a little bit deeper. I feel like we got a lot deeper today. <laughs> um. Well, yeah. Thanks for listening, and uh, good night, Andrew. Good night, Zach. Well, I'm going to have to bring it next week because mine was fairly traditional fare and just some like apps and lists. Like you, you like broke the matrix code. So I think I can at least see the code now. <laughs> you know, and, uh, blonde, yeah. Red, redhead. <laughs> yeah, I'm that guy now. Cypher. Cool. <laughs> cool. You got a great soul patch. Thanks. Thanks. 
Hi again, Andrew here. If you'd like to hear more of our stuff, please go to fanfiction.show or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. You can contact us at zandrew at fanfiction.show. Our Twitter and Instagram are at fanfictionshow. And if you'd like to read some of these stories for yourself, you can read Inhibitions by Balder, Dogs of War by Smas, The Devil and the Swan by Lorraine Lynch, Saving Nina Sayers and Perfect It Was Perfect by Anakin X Padme Lover. Also, in clarification for this episode, uh, Cassandra was the daughter of King Priam and of Queen Hecuba of Troy in Greek mythology, Greek mythology. And Cassandra was cursed to tell prophecies which were true, but no one believed. So thanks to Wikipedia for the clarification. And thank you for listening.